Welcome to a bonus edition of Cubicle Chat with Kimmy, Kisa, and Renee. Get up close and personal with us as we share our stories, thoughts, and shenanigans with you. So grab your favorite adult beverage, sit back, and enjoy our Cubicle Chat. All right, episode two, another round of our Cubicle Fun here with uh, Cubicle Chat. Uh, how's everyone doing? Hmm? Yeah, good. We're All good. Right. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need our coffee. <laughs> I need coffee. Really early. I always need coffee. <laughs> it is very early. <clears throat> yeah. You know, um, I just got off the phone with my friend. She mentioned her daughter got a job. Can you believe it? In this day and age with the, the pandemic, she got a job. <laughs> good for her. Hot commodities at this point. <laughs> Hot commodities at the food at the fast food joint. She oh, got a McDonald's okay. job, mm. and they could use all the help. They're an essential. McDonald's an is essential. an essential. I need my chicken McNugget. But really, no good for her. I'm glad that she was able to get a job. I mean, she's only 17. That's oh, kind of old. It's pretty old, right? I mean, I got my no. first job. Do you guys remember your first job? Because I remember my first job. Yes. I was 16. <laughs> I was 16 years old, and at the tender age of 16, I was working at the Magic Walk, Chinese fast food. (laughs) I wore a red visor, um, a pink polo t-shirt with an apron. (laughs) Every time a customer walked in, hi, welcome to Magic Walk. How can I help you? I get the two-item combo. Sure. Fried rice or chow mein. (laughs) Oh my god. And I came home. I came home smelling like a deep fryer walk. Yeah. Like a chow mein walk. <laughs> no, because be, yeah, once that would those, be like not nice smell. It's horrible because I was all it was mixed with like chow mein, the essence of chow mein, the essence of wonton, and the essence of cleaner. Cleaner solution. Because <laughs> at the end of the night, you got to scrub that joint down. And so when I, you know, when I'd come home, my hamper reeked. Oh. <laughs> Did what you eat the food? Yes, that was the benefit of the yeah. job uh, during okay. your lunch break. Yeah. So what were your first jobs? <laughs> I would okay. like to know. Now you know my I'll Chinese food you. adventures. Go. Hagen dazs What? Yes. Yes. And I was already like 20. I was a late bloomer, 20, 22, maybe. And uh, it was at the local mall at the Haagen-Dazs. And I was there for two weeks. Only two weeks? I left. Yes, two weeks. I left after (laughs) scooping ice cream was difficult. (laughs) I mean, you got to get that wrist action in place. Why did you leave? Um, So... She was sampling all the flavors. She was sampling all the flavors. That's what happened. No, no, no. We had to go into the freezers to like get the ice cream and stuff. And my boss locked me in the freezer. (laughs) And that was it. I was done. (laughs) How did like the on purpose? I think he forgot that I was in there or something. I don't know what it was, but I was locked in the freezer. It's like a good 15 minutes that felt like 50 hours. <laughs> like, oh anyone? my gosh. That's, anyone? That's so funny. <laughs> oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. I think that was like the end of my 
career as an ice cream scooper. But I loved being around ice cream because ice cream is like my favorite food group. It is. Mine too. Mine too. Yeah, I love yeah. ice cream. Ice cream is so good. Kisa, what about you? What's your first? What was your first job? My first job was at this place called Campus Club School Uniforms. It was in Vegas. It's because I went to private school and I had to wear a uniform. So I was like, I don't know, maybe like 15. And I worked there. And it was like down the street from my house. And my sister and I worked there over the summer because they literally hired like high school kids pretty much just for the summer. It was like the perfect summer job because you literally would get out of school, start work, and then pretty much like be done like they hired just knowing that you're only going to work there for the summer because that's when everybody needs to buy their school uniforms. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I worked there. It was like the thing with that place is that like they only had like a very small, teeny tiny storefront. So like that part was like nice and air conditioned. And then they kept all because it was it supplied uniforms for every private school in Las Vegas. So it was like two huge warehouses of everyone's school uniforms. My school uniform was in there. And then like, so you pretty much were in the back warehouse waiting for a customer to show up so you can be in the, because you were in the summer in Las Vegas in this warehouse. So you're like, Uh, please, Lord, let there be a customer so I can go in the air. (laughs) (laughs) It was like so hot in there, but it was like it was like a good summer job because it was it was literally like you only know you're going to be working from like June until August and then you're out of there. And you know, whatever. It gave me extra money when I was 15 years old. So I think I did it for a couple of summers. She was slain away in the warehouse for three months. I know. And I was slain away behind the grill for one year, smelling like chow mein. <laughs> and here we are, stage managers, managers in the entertainment industry. Yes, that's what we are. <laughs> um. So how did you get into stage management, Kisa? Was that just something that you thought, this is what I want to do? What was it? No. So like when I was in high school, I wanted, I like danced and I wanted to perform. And then I like, when I wasn't cast in one of the shows, one of uh, the high school teachers took me and was like, he was doing a community theater show and he took me and two of my other good friends and they he was like, we need more people on the crew. Do you want to try this? And so I was like, all right, well, let's see. And so I started doing community theater in high school, like when I was maybe like a sophomore or junior. And I just started working with this production company mm-hmm. the whole school year, all through the summer. I was doing shows for them all the time. And then I was just normal technician, just deck crew. And then one of my really good friends, she was like, an ASM for them. And I was talking to her and I was like, what is an ASM? Like, what is, what is an assistant stage manager? What does that even mean? And she like explained it to me. And I was like, Oh, like, this is interesting. Like, so you're in the, you're part of the creative process and, but you have to be organized, which I'm an organized person. And you know, like when it's showtime, you're running the show. Mm -hmm. I was like, I really like that. Um, so I started 
think it was my senior year, junior year, started ASMing. Um, and then I think after that, I was like, I really like stage management. So I went to college and got my bachelor's in theater tech mm-hmm. with my emphasis in stage management. And then here we are, stage managing. <laughs> 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 for all all sorts of different places all sorts of different places yeah yeah for me it was a it was a different route I w- always wanted to get into theater and I didn't know I knew what my heart my heart laid in and performing uh so I relate to that and Kimmy um we can def we're definitely gonna get to you um, uh, yeah but <laughs> yeah I always wanted to act and I I couldn't because I was a shy human so I was scared and I didn't know and I would go to my parents and say I want to take this class or I want to do this and I'm a first generation uh, Honduran you know so my parents Mm -hmm. didn't know what the hell I was talking about and they said that doesn't apply to you and that was the answer (laughs) that was that doesn't apply to you so but they never said you know you have to follow one route or the other they were very much like Paul Rico's parents like you just have to go to school and get yourself a good job and do whatever you want otherwise. <laughs> and so I ended up going straight from high school into college and went to Cal State Long Beach. And there I majored in fashion merchandising, which has nothing to do with anything. But again, it was business, fashion, which I mm-hmm. loved. And I was always attracted to the costuming side of things. Last semester of school, I interned in, at the school because I didn't have a car. And so I stepped foot into that theater department and I was like, I'm home. It was my last semester of school and I was, this is home. So after graduating, going to get the real job, hating the real job, um, immediately started, go- went back to school at a community college. And there I tried everything from acting to crew to anything I could lay my aunt hands on. And it was that first semester where uh, a friend of ours, David Carrero, came up to me and was like, I think you should ASM the next show. I said, what the hell is an ASM? And he goes, you should just do it. Excuse me? It was a musical. It was 1940s radio hour. And he was the stage manager in the show. So he was performing in the show. So guess who ended up being the stage manager? It was me. But it was like coming home. Like my brain all of a sudden made sense. Like, oh, that this all falls in place. Like I'm organized. I I like things in order. I like telling people what to do. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's what I like the most about it is telling everybody what to do. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. And so that's how I got into it. But I miss the acting. And I know that Kimmy, you... You continue to do that. And, and and let's make sure you're you're a manager too, a stage manager of sorts. Like I am. You manage sorts, people. yeah. You manage performers, point. you set schedules, do. you do all of that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also play a therapist at times <laughs> after a long day, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we do have similar roles, absolutely. Managing um, a team, a little production of mm-hmm. Performers in a place. <laughs> I, I can't even try to filter that. But um, yeah, you know, I've always enjoyed singing at a very young age. When I was a kid, um, as young as I can remember, like four or five years old, I remember sitting in the back of my dad's truck and just like making up songs and singing. And the thing is, is that my dad's side of the family, they're all musically inclined. My mm-hmm. dad used to be a big band orchestra leader. 
and everyone in their family played instruments. And so my dad, of course, was like, oh, my kids are also going to be musically inclined. I'll be damned if they don't play an instrument. But um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I I loved singing and um, never really dabbled in acting until um, my best friend invited me to go with her to an Annie audition mm-hmm. at a community <laughs> theater. And so <laughs> I got cast in the show um, <laughs> as one of the little orphans. And I had so much fun with that. And I realized that, oh, my gosh, not only do I love singing and dancing even though I don't really dance um but Mm -hmm. just you know going through the motion and having fun I realized oh my god I want to do more theater stuff Mm -hmm. and so I um started auditioning for just little local productions at the time just to get my feet wet and you know um that's where it took off and then in after high school I I I was never in theater in high school believe it or not I was in the marching band my dad forced me to join the marching band (laughs) And that is like, that's like theater though. It is. <laughs> the marching band. <laughs> that's like theater. Kind of, sort of. But uh, I, growing up in a Filipino um, household, you know, I've, I, my dad had dreams. He had plans. Mm-hmm. He, theater wasn't one of them. He wanted us to be kind of like the rest of the retific cars and that, and that was being a professional, you know, uh, whether if it is an engineer or a teacher or a lawyer, that was the path he was, he was hoping we'd choose. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. I wanted to do theater. I wanted to perform. And so I, I, uh, after high school, I um, started auditioning for shows and then I, I landed gigs being in the King and mm-hmm. I, Joseph, an amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, <laughs> Kisa's favorite musical. No. <laughs> <laughs> denied when, when she said when you said that last week I was like oh I can't tell her that no it's like everybody has to do Joseph at least one time if you work in theater right it doesn't mean you have to enjoy it but you have to at least do it one time but yeah like, staple shows you have to do so yeah, you know, I I, I was cast in you know, ensemble roles in re- regional productions, but then after that, you know, I had to start thinking about the reality of where I'm at. Like, do I want to keep on auditioning or follow what my dad was saying? Because you need stability to survive yeah. in this world, and acting is not a stable job. And I'm like, uh. So um, that's when I hired into Disney I actually wanted to be a performer at Disney inside the parks and um that didn't happen I ended up in restaurants (laughs) but you were you were a type of performer at the restaurant though I was ABC Bistro Mm -hmm. um was a type of you know performance it was all improv um and that's what got me into enjoying improv as well um I took workshop sessions um and then realized you know what I should start my own troupe. And I did. And so my friend and I uh, formed um, this improv troupe up in Hollywood called the the Fornicators of Comedy. (laughs) F-O-C for short. We called ourselves the Fockers. F-O-C-E-R-S. And then we evolved and turned into a sketch comedy group. And so we housed about 50 actors, all 
busy in the industry, all aspiring actors or currently um, acting professionally. Mm -hmm. And it was it was really cool to have them be a part of the troupe. And we would do shows up in Hollywood and Long Beach and also in Anaheim. And then we started doing improv battles against other improv troops. So (laughs) that, you know, exploded to something big. And then um, that went on hiatus, unfortunately, when, you know, my father got sick. And so I had to Mm -hmm. put that on hold. Um, And then I auditioned for other shows. And the one last thing that I auditioned for was um, for Avenue Q. That was the one thing. It was was the first national tour. Mm -hmm. And that was Mm going to be housed in Las Vegas, actually. I Mm -hmm. wanted that show so bad and I I went all the way through to where it was just down to three people and I was going for Christmas Eve and so and I was the only non-union that they were considering and so to go all the way up to the yeah but then after that I was like oh you know what I'm done so I just started focusing on stability but doing you know just little side theatrical gigs for fun to keep that creativity going and I was fortunate Mm -hmm. to be able to do that at work with you know a voluntary production yeah but you also do voiceovers and things like that I do yeah yeah uh, you do have a great voice so sometimes you should hear me in the morning when I sound like a frog (laughs) but um yeah I'm working on this upcoming um animation it's an educational environmental um animation called Darwin's Rangers and I voice for this bird named Kiki that was actually named after me Kiki Bird um a singing cactus named Layla and uh yeah so we're still working on that little project but um just little voiceover work here and there so mm-hmm. I still dabble in the arts you know it's the auditioning process I don't right? want to of that I I it that's I don't like interviews I don't well here we are <laughs> the podcast but I don't like being interviewed. <laughs> I'm like going to that I don't like Mm -hmm. auditioning either and it's really hard when you don't live in the area where Mm -hmm. they do a lot of those auditions which is usually up in LA and I was living at the time in Corona and so the drive from there it was like about 75 miles one way Mm -hmm. and to what go to one or two auditions and if you don't get that call back it's like well there goes 30 minutes yeah you know just like that and then you head home and sit in traffic for three hours all to what Mm -hmm. audition for only 30 minutes and not even get the gig Mm -hmm. so that was another thing too I mean you you definitely have to have perseverance to get through it you know and if this is something you want to do absolutely but then sometimes you gotta just think about if this is the right fit for you Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Yeah, I mean, entertainment, what a tough business. Very competitive, that's for sure. So kudos to those that are like continuously working their craft and like, you know, making a name for themselves because it's definitely a hard gig. It's not easy. It is. Even from the yeah, performance it is, side. It is not easy. It, in, in, it's tough. In all aspects of entertainment, because whether you're in the tech world, whether you're in the management roles, in the production roles, mm-hmm. or performing, uh, creative, any of those, you have to continue. The hustle continues. So yeah. that's where sometimes that focus, and we've touched about that a couple of times in the podcast, you, you become focused on the one thing. All your energy goes there. And if it's, you know, auditioning, then that's that's where your your energy is gonna go. But if you Mm -hmm. have all these other things that you like to do, then it's splitting that up that you have Mm -hmm. to work it out. Yeah, for sure. When people ask me to like talk to students or whatever, 
Like, I think the, the biggest takeaway that I always tell the students is like, you have to just remain hungry at 20 all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, and that, I think that's like, for me, like I'm never satisfied. (laughs) I will always be looking for something (laughs) like I'll have this in front of me and I'll be like, this is great. And I like it and it's whatever. And I'm happy doing it, but I'm always like thinking down the road on like, what, what else do I want to do? And then I work on the skills so I can get there Yeah, because like nothing is forever. So like, I always tell the students that you have to like, just remain hungry and teach yourself everything. (laughs) Like just whatever, if you don't know how to do it, then there is a YouTube video out there for you. (laughs) You just got to Google it (laughs) and sit down and have patience (laughs) and teach yourself because right. like that's that's the only way that's the only way because they don't teach everything in school they can't, they can't. you know they teach you your no. basics and like and you're 18 19 what do you know yeah. nothing <laughs> like <laughs> I feel for my friend's daughter when she starts her job at McDonald's. That's going to be interesting for her and her journey. Hopefully she doesn't come in there thinking like she knows everything. She just has that. She has that personality. Like, like yeah, I know what I'm doing. But you really don't. You really don't. You don't know oh, how to they'll teach. Any- they'll teach her the ways. They'll teach her the ways. <laughs> They're going to teach her how to make a proper filet fish I love filet fishes <laughs> Me too. Oh, my favorite. I- I, I get so excited when it's Good Friday yes! then the fo- <laughs> because the filet of fish is only $2. What? $2? Because when it's not Good Friday, it's like $5. $5 yes. for a filet of fish? It's just a filet of fish in a bun with cheese. That's <laughs> like a quarter size small. Like that's how big it is. It's like a quarter. It's so exactly. Tiny. Exactly. It's so cute. It is so cute. I love that sandwich because it's adorable and it's yummy. Okay. okay, can I can I can I confess something right now for everybody to hear? So um I, I do have a problem and remind me to show you this on um, when I see you guys one day over lunch. I like to take pictures of my filet fish sandwich and I like to take it out of its box and I like to pet it. Pet the bun. <laughs> like, it's, like, like, like I pet it like it's a guinea pig because it's soft. And if you've ever put, if you've ever put the filet fish against your cheek, it's <laughs> Listen here, listeners, if you ever go to McDonald's and you order a filet fish sandwich, just try it. Just take it out of its box. Take it out of its comfortable little home from the box. Put it in the palm of your hand and just cut it. (laughs) And then then bring it up to your cheek and ever so gracefully just caress the butt against your cheek. (laughs) And that is my my tangent for today. You know what? All this talk. Oh, my God. (laughs) All this talk of food. Why don't we go get some food right now? Let's go get a filet of fish. Thanks for joining us on this bonus edition of Cubicle Chat. We'll jo- join us again as we uh, continue to talk more about nonsensical crap like this one. Oh my god. <laughs> but stay tuned for next week's episode. <laughs> Sing us out, Renee. Here we go. Five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> <laughs>